This is Shabbat of Hanukkah, and Hanukkah is traditionally a time when we think about giving gifts to the people that we love. This is also December, and in our broader American culture, December is generally a time when we think about giving gifts to the people that we love. But it's not only Shabbat of Hanukkah, and it's not only Shabbat of December, it is also month 10 of the pandemic. How do we think about giving gifts on Hanukkah? How do we think about giving gifts in a holiday gift-giving season when it's also a pandemic? What are the right kinds of gifts to give this Hanukkah? So I encountered two sources from the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs that are so revealing and so beautiful that I want to share with you this morning. One is from a book, his book Morality, and the second is from an interview that he gave a few months before he passed away. In the book Morality, Rabbi Sachs asked the question, where does happiness come from? And he offers two different models. One is the happiness that comes from the marketplace, and it looks like this. You think to yourself, I am missing a tchotchka. If only I buy this tchotchka, This car, this house, this computer, this screen, this thing. If only I buy a shiny new tchotchka, ah, I will be happy. But of course, that never works. And Rabbi Sachs diagnoses the problem. First of all, I buy a shiny new tchotchka. And it turns out that my friend or my neighbor has a shinier tchotchka, a bigger tchotchka, a newer tchotchka, a fancier tchotchka, a zippier tchotchka, and now my tchotchka suffers by comparison. Or my tchotchka just breaks. Or it just becomes obsolete. Or I just get bored of my tchotchka, and I thought if only I get this tchotchka, I'll be happy. And now that I have it, it's whatever. And Rabbi Sachs points out, that the happiness of the marketplace just never works. It has us spending money that we don't have on things we don't need for a happiness that won't last. By contrast, he says there is the happiness that the Bible offers us, the happiness that Ari just read about and led us in, Ashrei Yoshrei Vetecha, happy, that's what Ashrei means, Happy are those who dwell in God's house, who sing God's words, and who try to live a life that God would approve of. Happiness of the moral dimension, which is not what you own. It's not a thing that you have. Happiness in the moral dimension is who you are, what you do, how you live, whether you are a force for good in the world. That's in his book. But then comes this interview with Tim Ferriss just a few months before he passed away. And Tim Ferriss says to him, Rabbi Sachs, this pandemic is just so cataclysmic. It's just like there was the world before the pandemic and the world after the pandemic. Are there any precedents for something so cataclysmic? And if so, what light do they shed? And Rabbi Sachs' answer was just so telling and evocative. I'd never thought of it before, but that's why he's Rabbi Sachs. Here's what he says. He says there are two precedents, and they yield very diametrically opposite responses. 
The first president is the president of the First World War and the terrible pandemic, the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. And Rabbi Sachs said the response to that, the end of the First World War and the Spanish flu, was very me-centered, me, 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 very market-centered, the market, the happiness of the market. It was the Roaring Twenties, people buying all kinds of clothing and dancing their cares away. And Rabbi Sachs said, that kind of me-centered, I'm going to dance my cares away, I'm going to buy my cares away. That solution never works, and it didn't work. And the Roaring Twenties are now widely regarded and derided as a season of emptiness, and of course led to immediately the Great Depression. By contrast, though, here's the second time that there was such a cataclysm, and that is World War II. And Rabbi Sachs pointed out that the response of the generation of World War II was not me-centered, it was we-centered. This would be the greatest generation, the generation that fought and conquered Hitler and the Third Reich, the generation that made the world safe for freedom and democracy, the generation that, through the Marshall Plan, reinvested and rebuilt Europe so that we could have decades of peace. Rabbi Sachs says, you look back at this, you have the Roaring Twenties and the happiness of the marketplace. And you have the Great Depression, and then you have World War II and the Marshall Plan and the happiness of the moral dimension, the happiness of the greatest generation, which lasts. All of which leads to a certain paradox. And here's the paradox. Very often in life, happiness does not flow from happy times. Very often in life, like right now, happiness does not flow from happy times. Rather, happiness flows from a deeply moral response to deeply unhappy times. Happiness flows from a deeply moral response to deeply unhappy times. Fighting the Nazis, not happy. Storming Omaha Beach when the Nazis are shooting down at American soldiers, not happy. Rebuilding shattered Europe after World War II, not happy. But the greatest generation knows a deep truth, which is real happiness and lasting happiness flows from a deeply moral response to deeply unhappy times. And we are now living in deeply unhappy times. And so now all of us are faced with a question. And here's the question. Will this pandemic... Will this pandemic change us so that it deepens our moral dimension? Will this pandemic change us so that it's going to inspire us to respond to this deeply unhappy time in a deeply moral way that will actually make us happy? I was talking to Michelle about this. And the way she put it, I just loved it. It was just beautiful. She said, Michelle said, if we are the same after the pandemic as we were before the pandemic, then we've missed the point of the pandemic. 
The point of the pandemic is that we're not the same because we're changed, because we're deepened, because our moral character is deepened. And let me give you a concrete example of what I'm talking about. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the New York Times Daily Podcast ran this incredible story. This is a searing story. It's November 25th, New York Times Daily Podcast. It's about a homeless pantry, I'm sorry, a food pantry, a food pantry, a hunger pantry, hunger relief pantry in Brooklyn, New York. And the podcast tells the story that as of 4 a.m., hundreds of people are lining up. At 4 a.m., it's dark, it's cold, it's nighttime, and they're waiting by the hundreds around blocks and blocks of lines not moving, lines just getting longer, and they're going to wait four hours, five hours, six hours, seven hours for one or two bags of groceries. And the woman who is telling this story is Nikita Edwards, and she's a reporter for the New York Times. And she goes with her microphone, and she's interviewing people who are waiting in the cold and waiting in the dark, and it's 4 o'clock, and the line is not moving, and they have another six hours to go for two bags of groceries. And she asks person after person, why are you doing this? And person after person gives the answer in different ways, in different forms. This is their answer. We are out of food. We're out of money. We don't have a job. Nobody has a job in my family. We have no money. We have no safety net. We have no food. And we have hungry people to feed. And that is driving me to spend seven hours waiting for two bags of groceries. Now, that's obviously very unhappy stuff. That is obviously very dark stuff. But the emotional heart of this emotional podcast was when Nikita Edwards, the reporter, shares her own story about why is it that she is talking to people in a line waiting for food from a food pantry. And this is, this is what Nikita Stewart tells her story. She says, I quote, there were times when, she, she says she grows up in a food insecure environment, they're on food stamps. She says, there were times when the food stamps had run out, and it wasn't the first of the month yet. And I remember this time when my mom was at work. My sister and I, we opened the refrigerator. We opened the freezer, and there was very little there except for these two frozen burritos. We'd been washing the dishes. And when I went to open my burrito, it fell into the soapy water, and I couldn't eat it. And I remember my sister split her burrito with me, and that is what we ate that day. And that frozen burrito, or that half a frozen burrito, that has been driving Nikita Stewart ever since. And she goes on to report in this podcast that she does this work of interviewing people at food pantries who are waiting in line for hours for two reasons. One, she wants to tell their story. She wants the listener or the reader to know that the people who are waiting in line have done nothing wrong. They're guilty of doing nothing wrong. They're just 
casualties of an epically cruel season, and they deserve to be seen, and even more, they're hungry. They deserve to be fed. And that leads to her second reason. Namely, she writes this article, it's called, this is the byline, this is the title to this article that she writes, 1.5 million Americans cannot afford food. Food pantries are their only lifeline. That's Nikita Stewart's chief article and different iterations of that theme. And she does that because she wants the viewer to know, she wants the reader to know that these food pantries are not financed by the government, they're not financed by taxes, they're financed by tzedakah, they're financed by charity, they're financed by people who have a little more, giving a little more so that these food pantries can do their holy work and feed the hungry. Now step back, step back. The frozen burrito story, not happy. Talking to people at 4 a.m. who are so desperate that they're going to wait in line for hours for two bags of groceries, not happy. But responding to this deeply unhappy time with deep morality, the deep morality of empathy, the deep morality of caring, the deep morality of seeing, the deep morality of repairing, the deep morality of galvanizing, healing, and positive energy, the deep morality of radiating love in the world, the deep morality of radiating helpfulness in the world, that deep morality in response to this deep unhappiness, that leads to happiness. And so this Hanukkah, give yourself, give your loved ones, give our world, the right gift, and that is the gift of a deepened moral dimension. Shabbat Shalom, Hanukkah Sameach.